This is the podcast where people come alive to their own exclusive magic and find strategies to work their magic in the real world in a way that feels exciting and authentic and inspired and fulfilling. So grab a fun drink and please make sure for the love of all things good and holy that your pants are really comfortable because life is too short for uncomfortable clothes and boring drinks. I'm your host, Bethany Shipley, and this is The Bethany Shipley Show. Okay, we are here. I have Leslie Burris, who is a magnet to the world, and they love her because she is all the things. She is confident. She is clear. She knows herself. She knows her priorities. She knows her boundaries. And not only that, but she's been through some capital stuff in life. (laughs) That is very true. This is not a lie. (laughs) And we're going to talk about it all and dive into what makes her magical. And so um, there is a history of uh, Leslie, I'm sorry, picking up people from the airport whose card declines at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I wrote that out. That's why I stumbled on my words there. I wrote, she has a history of picking people up from the airport, paying for people's Chick-fil-A when their card declines. And I am that, I am that people. I am that people. I am that person. It's so funny because when we were talking about doing this podcast and, and I asked you to send me some questions, when you wrote that down about Chick-fil-A and your card declining, I just, I, it was so funny to me because I literally don't remember that. And then I thought to myself, this is, this is the basic essence of human beings and how we behave. Is it not like we are marked by things that we feel embarrassed about. And the other person is literally never going to meditate on it ever again. Well, and I will say, I, so I told you that I had a bank situation where anytime I traveled out of Missouri, it was an issue and it became such an issue that I had to switch banks over it. But it was so embarrassing for me every time. (laughs) It was almost (laughs) like better than it actually working because I, have been hyper vigilant my whole life to make sure that would never happen to me. <laughs> it's amazing how we want to avoid pain at all costs. Is, yeah. not, is that not embarrassing when you're with somebody and your card declines and you feel like you feel inclined to say like, I have money. I swear. I, swear I am I living. <laughs> totally. That was ext- totally my experience with you. And you were so gracious. You, you were like, you know, I think yeah, I got this. You gave them your oh, card. You know what's funny? I thought about that. Even, like, this is hilarious how deep we're going on this question. But <laughs> I thought back to that moment. Bethany, I had probably $80 in my bank account when I bought your Chick-fil-A. And I look back on that time. That was my hardest financial time. And yet here I just totally forgot about it. Like, it wow. didn't me. And now I think. What, like even just this week when I was looking and thinking about the question, I thought this is crazy because a few years ago I was so broke and now I'm, I'm just on such a different trajectory in yeah. life. And I look back <laughs> on that. And I think, wow, I thought I was never going to get out of that. Wow. And now here I am. Okay. But I'm going to push you on that. You said you didn't think you were going to get, but you've always invested in yourself even before you had. And by the way, did I pay you back? Am I, am I going to be tempted to lie now? Yes, I am. I'm tempted to lie. Uh, probably not, but maybe you did. 
I, I hope I did, but it either way, it, well, I mean, how many times have you bought people groceries? I mean, I don't know. A few. Yeah. A few times. We'll call it even. Uh, <laughs> well, either way it. you've, yeah. okay. So you've always invested in yourself though. So clearly there was a little glimmer of something. Yeah. I, um, I believe that all people are here on purpose for a purpose and it's our job to dig it out. And so, yeah, I do. I invest in myself even when nobody does. Like I am a huge proponent of that. And I, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. I really enjoy that. I I'm not okay with a mediocre life. That is for sure. And you're not attached to any sort of amount in your bank account. Is that accurate? I mean, I'm much happier person when I have 40 grand sitting in my bank (laughs) (laughs) or even just seven grand. I'm not okay with $7. I'm a different person at those dollar amounts. Yes. But I also, I funny, oddly enough, when I have $7 in my bank account, I'm a lot more scrappy and creative than I Mm -hmm. am when I have $40,000 sitting in my bank account. Is that true? I I sometimes, okay. I, I think. $40,000 would put me in a position to um, leverage that investment a little bit better. I have more options in my investments when I have 40 compared to $7. But um, it's amazing to me the magic that comes up for me when I need to create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that spot. You like the challenge. Do you feel like in the beginning, okay, this is not on our questions list, but it's like, I, I told you this would happen. Yeah, that's fine. When, I'm here for it. When you had $7 and you had probably a benchmark in your mind, you're like, okay, if I can just get to a thousand dollars, does that benchmark move for you? Then when you get to 40, are you like, okay, I I'll feel like some certain way at 60. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah there. I, I'm always blown away by enoughness. The topic of enoughness blows my mind because I sell myself on a goal. I sell myself on an arrival and then I get there and I'm pretty bored by it. (laughs) Or I don't even say it under delivers. Like it's great and I'm happy for it and I'm thankful for it, but I'm always thinking, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. Like it usually, if anything, I've learned over the last couple of years that um, benchmarks are just more like turns in the destination forward. So if you're using your, your GPS and you plug in, you know, you're in New York and you're going to LA, uh, benchmarks to would just be like, Take exit for 30. Y'all listening, write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So a benchmark to me is more like an exit on the greater road of a destination. Yes. Yeah. Ah, that's so good. Yeah. That took me a long time to get there, especially being comfortable with redirecting and rerouting and me thinking that, you know, um, sometimes, you know, I could go through Arizona to get to LA from New York. Um, or I could go through Montana and sometimes the mind mess comes with like, I thought I was going to Arizona, but I went through Montana, right? Benchmarks. Yeah. yeah when it comes to, that's a very elevated view <laughs> for, for your listeners who are like, what is she talking about? 
but I, I, mean, I think I'm following you attract are very elevated in their thinking anyway. Um, not making Montana mean something when I was expecting to go to Arizona. Yeah. That's, that's that, the to life right there. That is, well, I think that's life. I mean, I, yeah. yesterday I was journaling, writing, and I'm working on just writing every day, not to share it just for me, just to write it. And yeah. I wrote down all of the things that I like one day prayed for. And I have these four beautiful children that, you know, just really complete the four corners of my life. You know, I have this husband who I adore and all of these things and this house and even chickens. And then I wrote down on the, I turned the paper and I wrote, and now it's time to enjoy it. (laughs) And yeah, really good word. Yeah, for sure. Benchmarks. Yeah. And just like the idea of like, when I have blank, I will be satisfied, which is such a funny thought to me because the benchmark is just that it's just a mark. You were not supposed to set up camp on benchmarks. What happens when you set up camp on benchmarks? Depression. Yep. (laughs) Hopelessness or like, I think that, I think it's good to go on vacation, like have a vacation at your benchmark for sure. Like when you work hard for a goal, when you get somewhere where you are really appreciative, go ahead and enjoy that. And sometimes, sometimes that's for a whole year or two, maybe even five. I don't have a problem with that, but I think that life is all about, uh, the journey to what's next and they all build on each other. And I think again, you saying in your journal, I am going to enjoy where I'm at because I worked really hard. There's usually a season of suffering that takes place before you get to a benchmark. And so the benchmark is like, I'm going to take a breath. Like you said, you're enjoying your kitchen right now because you didn't have one for a long time. I'm enjoying my office because I didn't have one for a very long time. Like those benchmarks are often just a great place to sit rest, enjoy, go all in, enjoy it. And then get a moment to catch your breath and then dream again and and go for, go for what's next. Yeah. I love that. Well, and for me, my, my issues have come, I say, quote, 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 unquote, issues. Air quoting. You can't see her. (laughs) I'm air quoting into a microphone. I hope you can feel the little wind. My issues. (laughs) My issues are when I try to grasp onto whatever the benchmark was. So Mm -hmm. if it was 40,000 or if it was 60,000 or whatever it was, I'm like, okay, now I have this and I do like a death grip on it. That energy leads. That's what leads to Um, and, and I don't want to, yeah, I mean, like there are so many reasons that people end up in, um, deep sadness. And so that was definitely the road to mine, but then realizing, oh, I'm grasping onto this. Okay. So like I wrote down on my paper chickens, I'm not, I'm not holding on to the chickens. I'm not holding on to the farmhouse. I'm not now I you have a little trouble with holding on to my family because that's something that I care about, but even that is just, it's a gift. It's not something. And we're going to talk about that with you. So, all right, Leslie, tell me what it feels like to be you when you're working in your magic, when you lose all, all track of time, you're like in complete flow. What is that like for you? Yeah, I think, well, for me, it, I, I think there are two, 
there are really two places to live, um, either in a hopeless thought cycle or in a hopeful thought cycle. So when I'm in my complete flow and I am like losing all track of time, my hope is really high. I have anxious expectation for really good things that are coming and I know my gifting, I know my impact and um, I understand and I'm okay with assignments and assignments ending and assignments starting and changing, but I don't change. I evolve and I grow, but usually my giftings, they've gone with me. I don't know about you, Bethany, but I've been doing <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> that I'm good at. I've been doing since I was like eight, mm-hmm. you know, like those just evolve and I take all these skills and great gifts that I have. And I just get to, to do new assignments. Um, and I think for me, when I'm in my complete flow and my, and my true fulfillment zone is when I understand and I'm okay with assignments changing and I understand my assignment right now. And I understand that, um, my gifts make room for me. And when I'm in that place, oh man, I have so much fun in life. Uh, for those of you guys, uh, if you've never tuned into my Instagram, I like to cook on Instagram live. And I love to just bless people when we have Q and a I'm gifted in strategy and I am certified in CBT. I love the brain. I what love is CBT? CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. And it's basically this idea that all of your thoughts make you feel something. And when you feel something, you either do something or you don't do something. And so I love watching people and seeing what they do and how they respond. And I can usually come back and realize what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And like, I love inspiring people and under like putting myself in a place of compassion and saying like, if you are feeling like this, it's probably because you're thinking this and I've been there before and here's what I do to get out of it. So I, I love doing that on social media and you're, and you are um, so good. It's so fun to watch and your lives are so well attended. Like I have never, ever seen anybody with your margins. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, it's funny that you say that because there are some people that I'm, I'm genuinely troubled. They have three times more followers than me, but when they're doing Instagram live, they have three times less the number of attendants. It's true. Like, yeah, it's, it's wild. I publish when you're going to go live ahead of time. I did. I've never done that. I've never tried that. How do they know? Like, do they, are they just randomly on? Yeah. Okay. I just go live when it is. And it's, it's really fun. That's how, you know, by the way, whoever's listening to this, your gifts will like you'll see fruit of it. You'll see clues, clues like that. If people are attending something or they're really, really listening to you, that's a clue that you're in your gift for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I've struggled with that, Leslie, on the other side where I really wanted to be affirmed for something that was like low attended or yeah. poorly attended. And what would you say to someone who's like, I feel like I'm in my gift. Like I, yeah. I feel like I'm talking about what I'm born to, you know, or what my assignment is right now to put it in your words, but it's not attended. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would say, so there's three phases of business and influence. You have the awkward phase, (laughs) then you have the mechanical phase, and then you have 
the natural phase. And um, I recently heard Ed Milet talking about that actually. And it, it it's just so true. Um, there were days when I first started out on Instagram or, or Facebook live, I had very, very low attendance. It was, I was in the awkward phase. Wow. And then, um, I was okay. I'm okay with low attendance, especially if I'm trying something new because it's, it's an opportunity to practice and get curious why people aren't attending and really look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, messaging matters and being like, as long as you're somebody who's willing to look foolish for a while. And I did like, I, I look back on some of my Facebook lives. They're awful, but you know what? That's, that was the practice season. That was the awkward season. That was the mechanical season of like going live and just doing the thing. And, um, you know, now it's in, I'm in the natural season, but for somebody who's maybe still in the awkward phase or the mechanical phase, enjoy it because this is where you're actually learning how to hone your craft. And, uh, I, I always tell people, I, I train people in sales and they'll come back to me and say like, nobody showed up for my training event or nobody showed up for my presentation. And I would say, well, number one, you got the benefit of practice. That's great. I do it like show up for practice. That's great. And then number two, if you're willing to be curious and not make it mean something about your worth, then let's get curious why more people aren't showing up. Mm-hmm. What is your energy? What is your position? Um, are you showing up with confidence? Are you showing up with doubt and holding back? You know, like people, people are just kind of curious, like, what are you going to do next? Sure. <laughs> yeah like how do you handle the two people that are on let's yeah that's like the yeah. Thing of life. Oh, yeah yeah and and how do you want again I, I at the end of the day it's great when 200 people are tuning in but I'm there for the one wow I I have and this is a philosophy you change one person's life you change 500 people's lives because in 200 years they will have duplicated that many times and so like I'm here for the one and I think when you are there for the one uh not only does it take the pressure off but you you get good at talking to that one person and then more and more people want to they feel like they're that one person Mm -hmm. and I, I really do think that that's where I've seen the fruit of a lot of my own growth is uh I showed up for the one and it's just, it just happens to be that 500 people felt the same way. There are 500 ones. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I, I definitely resonate with a lot of what you said, even just taking it personally as a, you know, the learner seat here. I, I remember when I first started going live on Facebook, um, yeah, one, two people would be on and then time after time after time, it would grow a little bit by little bit. And so then, you know, when you're walking in and speaking in front of thousands of people, it's not nearly as intimidating as it would have been. Had you never done it for two, had you never done it for four? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I actually feel like if, if you told me we're going to go to an event and I was speaking in front of 200 people and three people came up, I would be more nervous about the three people than I would be about the 200. Is that personality? I think that's just, uh, vulnerable. Like you can, you can kind of feel portrayed differently in a group of 200 you can count on people tuning you out 
in a crowd of 200 people looking at their phones, maybe yawning a little bit, maybe patting a baby on the back and shushing. Like there are like, it's not as pressure filled, but if I have three sets of eyeballs on me and it's just the four of us, like that's more intimidating because <laughs> they're all paying attention, right? They're all, they're all in it. <laughs> that's yeah, scary. Yeah. If you're building your social media, yeah, they are watching you and they're probably grading you the same way you grade them. And it's okay. Once you know that about human beings, you let yourself off the mat a little bit. <laughs> I will say one of the things I love about you, though, is that I've seen you interact interpersonally with people who follow you and love you and you don't you don't know their face like they know your face. And you yeah. bring just the same level of graciousness and kindness and energy to that in person. And that's not always the way it is with like, um, I mean, for lack of better word, influencers. Yeah. You know, I, know, I, I have yeah. a couple people can't come to mind just now that I, that I paid a lot of money to see that when I met them in person, I was like, man, I wish I would have never met them in person because my bubble has been bursted. They were cooler <laughs> online, truly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So maybe this is another like, you know, note taking point for people listening. You know, if you are wanting to grow an audience, like that that does come with a lot of responsibility or I no, I don't want to say it like that. An opportunity, I would say, when you're yeah, meeting well, it, it's it's you're going to um you're gonna show your sincerity. Uh for sure. Um that's why it's important to be who you are online in person. Yeah. Oof. That's good. It really, it, it really is like the the conversations that we had at Chick-fil-A are the same conversations that I would be having on in front of 200 people online. And I think that that's really important. And we're so tempted to, you know, be something online that maybe we're not yet in real life. And I think that the low attendance could be good for us. <laughs> that's the part of protection for a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Figure that out, you know, and oh. being okay with that. I think also like learning to laugh at yourself is so you know, that is like my biggest, my biggest thing is to say like, don't, I'm just not going to take myself that seriously, you know? Totally. You know, I, I, I have more fun. And when I have more fun, I actually impact a room and my, with my influence than if I'm sitting back trying to be right. (laughs) Influencer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Okay. So when was the first time you remember feeling that feeling of being in complete, um, as you put it, complete hope? Yeah, I think, well, honestly, I, I feel like I really clunked in on, there was two things. One, the strength finders test. If you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm looking for a way to know what I'm gifted at the strength finders 2.0 test. I love that book. It gives you your top five strengths. And I think once you realize what you're good at and you really, and I think John Maxwell would say this, like double down on what you're good at. If you're already a six at something, go ahead and increase it to eight. Ooh, but I think a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people are so embarrassed and bothered by what they're not good at that. They try to get better at that. And it's a lot of wasted energy. And so for about me, for about three years ago, I think is when I really learned, like, this is my gift. This is what I'm good at. And I am, I am 100% okay with staying in my lane. 
And once I, once I realized that I, uh, especially I, for those of you guys, maybe who don't follow me on social media, peace is my message. I do. I, I live from a position of peace. I watched all the women in my lineage worry about everything, things they could control, things they couldn't control. And I just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. And when I really leaned into that and decided that I get to experience life the way that I want to, that really set me free. Uh, I, there's going to be turbulence in your life. Okay. You, you're going to have issues in business, in finances, in your marriage, with your children, um, with your health, uh, with your career, it, it's going to happen. And how you want to experience that is totally up to you. And I've decided I'm going to do that from a position of peace. And when I made that decision of like, oh, I don't have to freak out if I don't want to. I'm either, I'm either completely, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a person of faith. And so like, I'm either either this is true and God is taking care of me or he's not. And so when I kind of realized like, <laughs> <Take a side. laughs> oh, I'm either, I'm either loved and protected and guided or I'm not, that really just made everything else amazing. <laughs> like it's yeah. me and my belief at this point. I'm, that's what I'm at war with is my belief and what you believe can be determined, can be illuminated by what you're thinking and how you feel. And it's usually seen in how you act. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I, when you ask that question, like when I, the first time I felt it was just realize I've been through, like Bethany said, I've, I've lost a baby. I've had a stillborn baby. Um, my husband was unfaithful for 18 months with a coworker. I have not been through light things, but I have decided that if I am the main character in my life, I've kind of decided how I would want to be portrayed on screen. And I've decided to step into that. And a lot of things worked out really well for me when I decided I wanted to be a strong heroine of my story. And you, you are so that like, even just your, I mean, I have on our, our little list that we talked about ahead of time that we've already kind of delightfully deviated from, <laughs> you are so resilient. And yeah. I feel like I share that resilience. Um, although I haven't been through, you know, I, I think we all have our unique stories, but I haven't been through what you, you've been through, but can you talk about your resilience? Like, I mean, your, your first, um, was your, was your marriage, your, the betrayal story, was that the first major gut punch in your life? It wasn't the first major gut punch, but it was the one that I was the most afraid of happening. Yeah. And, um, honestly, when I look back, like my marriage needed to die, I was not happy in my marriage. My husband was a terrible human being for a while and I wanted that change but I didn't believe it was possible. And I just settled. And, um, but that was the first time, like, oh man, 
if I could sit down and have a cup of coffee with, with somebody whose marriage maybe isn't where they want it to be, I'm telling you, your spouse is one decision away from becoming the husband you wish he was right now. And there's, if, if I could think about like my resilience, resilience to me is walking a tightrope and holding a really long bar and you're standing across the Grand Canyon and one end of the bar, if you're balancing the bar, one end is like, it's like, it's knowing that your whole world and the rug could be pulled out from under you at any given moment in your life. Is that not what we're all just afraid of is like the other shoe dropping, right? Exactly. Of like, I'm just afraid of when I, like you said it earlier, when you were talking about like, when I have the $60,000, I need to hold on to it so tightly. Um, <clears throat> the essence of resiliency is saying, I'm willing to have an open hand and I understand the risk that the whole thing could fall apart and choosing hope anyway. Wow. <laughs> and saying like, I have anxious expectation for good things to come. And, and even like Bethany, I was even thinking about where you're saying, like, it's, it's one skill to get to your benchmark yeah. and it's another skill to stay and maintain that benchmark. Y'all write that <laughs> down. Nobody talks about that enough. Nobody. I, I, and we all see it in celebrities. Yeah. And we kind of eye roll and say, well, why did you forget who you were? But it's kind of like until you, you know, I mean, I'm nowhere near like some of what these people go through, but like, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's one thing to have one hit movie and it's another thing to have 20 or 30 hit movies and be that, you know what I'm saying? That those are two different skills. We we all have one hit wonders. (laughs) Well, and I think that's the fear after every single, every single person gets their first hit is the that's what takes them down. That's what's the fear at 60,000 is, am I only a one hit one or am I only, is this it for me? Have I reached my, and that's hopeless. Yeah. I would even say as a CBD practitioner, I see this all the time. So I coach people. And when, when I hear something like, is this it for me? You have to change the question into a statement. What they're really saying is this is it for me. Wow. When people say that, like, is this it? Is this, is this as far as I can go? What they're saying is this is as far as I can go. And what's crazy is that we, as human beings, we work really hard to make sure that what we believe is true. So then our brain goes to work to make sure that this is it for me. Like (laughs) you will go and start destroying your life brick by brick. Some, some people do it fast. They'll like send a grenade to their success and blow it up overnight. You know, you've seen this, Um, but there are some people who just start deconstructing it brick by brick because the thought they have is this is it for me. Yeah. And then we have to go to work really hard to make that true. Uh, It's crazy. It's crazy. But again, resilience, resilience says, Hey, I know I'm tempted to believe that this is it for me. This is where hope comes in, right? Hope is anxious expectation that there's more, that this is just one piece of the pie and there's 12 more slices for me. If we go back to the analogy of going from New York to LA, 
you know, Montana is just one state. We still got, you know, we still got five more states and that's just the middle. Um, and being open to, to more and open to saying like, this isn't like this benchmark is not the only gold medal I'm going to collect. And again, it's that tightrope. Uh, life is tension. You know, there's tension in the tightrope from one end to the other and you're holding a pole and it's just like, I am so, I'm so open to adventure in my life and disappointment is not going to last forever. And it takes maturity. It takes maturity to know that like when you have seasons of disappointment, that that's not going to be the marker of your life. And it's not going to be like that forever. It doesn't always rain forever. The sun does have to come out eventually. And, um, you know, your brain is also really smart and it knows when you believe something and when you don't. So resiliency mm -hmm. has to do with you being pretty, pretty logical. And this is what I'm not a huge fan of affirmations. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your podcast. I you don't can know say whatever you want. You are on, I'm not a huge fan of affirmations. I don't believe that you can say something super positive a hundred times every single day for the next year and then eventually believe it. Right. But you know what I think really does work? is taking that affirmation and saying, maybe it might be possible that this could be true someday. Mm. Maybe it might be possibly true that I could triple that 60,000. It's possible that maybe someday I could maybe get three times more than this. And that's actually a better position for resilience than the opposite of like, this is it, it's over, I'm done. There's no more for me. Yeah, And saying that tightrope tight rope is saying, is keeping that hope up and saying like, it's possible, maybe there might be more for me. There yeah. might be more of this, where this came from and keeping walking in that. It's like you're keeping curiosity alive, and, which creates the breeding ground for hope. Yeah. Despair, yeah. despair, you'll fall every time. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's so interesting that you say that about the affirmations because, um, like, well, I haven't really talked about affirmations in a few years, probably. So that represents a season of my life yeah, that was, you know, that wasn't necessarily but those, those, I think too, is when we, when we latch onto something like the message of affirmations, I really think it comes from this place of you just realized you're done talking so badly to yourself that. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? That you get hyped up and you're like, I'm putting affirmations everywhere because I'm so fed up with the way I talk to myself. And so like, I think that's usually where the love of affirmations comes is like, I the think so. like yeah, I talk so badly to myself. I think the other thing, like for me, I've always genuinely kind of like, like, I've just liked myself. I've liked living in my spirit. I've liked being me. And it's better by the way, yeah. that only gets better. <laughs> Yeah. And I've always felt that. Um, so when my begin the beginning of my affirmation journey, I would say things. And to me, I just noticed I was saying different things than the people around me, <laughs> but it was because yeah. it was actually genuinely true. Like I really thought like, I am awesome, you know? And I'm like, they're not saying that I am saying that. So it's working for me. So I should probably tell them to say that <laughs> having no understanding at that time that there was like a, like a part of them that they really didn't like. And that was the problem. Isn't that funny how we just buy that? Like we just, yeah, we don't even know we fall down holes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> we yep. just yep. into an echo chamber. Sometimes we just don't even know. Oh, yes. 
Okay. That's why laughing at yourself and like even looking back on 24 year old Diamond Bethany and just the fire and just like, like again, um, just back to the analogy of like you're on your way to LA, boo. And that I you hold know, her. That was just Pennsylvania. I I hold the that version of myself so oh what is it like tenderly right now so beautiful because I'm like oh so precious and so naive and so all of the things and so um still there still part of me totally um, but so not um I don't even know how to say it refined. I think the word yes. you're for is you're refined. Yes, now. I feel yeah. like I stumbled on a magazine that I wrote while I was cleaning out my parents' basement last weekend. And I just was like tearing up looking at these things that I still believe with my whole heart. I still believe the words I said, but I understand them at a different level now. And so it's just, it's special. I totally get that. Yeah, <laughs> I listen, I look back on on 28 year old LB. And I just, I give her a kiss and I said, thank you for being who you were in that season. Cause I needed that. Yeah. (laughs) It's really crucial to look at yourself and appreciate all your benchmarks, good and hard. (laughs) Yes. So can we, so you, you've been through in marriage, you've been through betrayal in motherhood. You've been through grief. I think I was one of the first people that I I think I will actually talk to you that day. I don't know if I reached out to you or if you reached out to me, but I was driving to the chiropractor. I'll never forget it. A day in my life. I I'm pretty sure I was pregnant too. Yeah. We were due the same time. So my, it was due September 27th. Yep. And, and, most, so or, was, and and your son been, was born when was it four years ago four and a half years ago yep okay yep. yeah so mac um was late september yeah or yeah. early october yeah so yeah, that's we probably like the same. oh yeah. and and my first pregnancy which ended in miscarriage i remember feeling so many feelings towards the women who were pregnant and do at the same time and so i felt like i was on it was like, okay, here I am talking to you. My heart is just shattered for you. Here I am pregnant and knowing what you were about to go through in the next 48 hours. Um, I mean, not knowing from personal experience, um, because Lulu was 20 weeks or 23, 23 weeks, 23 weeks. So, I mean, you're, you, you, you gave birth. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like it was a full on birth. They even do, um, funerals. Like was a, it was a thing. I, totally. uh, when I, I had not experienced miscarriage in the past. So when I thought miscarriage, I just thought, you know, like you start your period and yeah. you know you have cramping and you have labor, but it's, it's different, but this was like, this was like a human being. Like it was yeah. crazy. Um, but what was funny for me in that time, even knowing that you were, it's like, I knew you were pregnant at the same time we were in the same circle and you were having a textbook yeah. pregnancy for him. Like he was healthy and great. And I just remember knowing that my daughter was very strategic and like her life and her mission had come to completion. And I got to be her, like my job as a mother. And I think this is probably that, that whole resilience talk is I've decided in advance that I am to be their mother for as long as they're meant to be my, like here. So if I lose a child, 
at five weeks pregnancy, or I lose a child when they're 15 or when they're 60, like I, my job is to be their mom and go all in on my love for them. And that's resilience because that's holding, that's holding an open hand with the most precious. That's what I can control is my love for my children. Yeah. How long I get to be their mother here in this earthly experience. That's not my jurisdiction. I don't, I don't know how long you're going to be here. I don't know how long they're going to be here. And I think it had it been maybe 10 years earlier. I, I struggled with infertility for those of you guys who like, I, I had PCOS. I was deemed infertile, which is hilarious. To I didn't people. know that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I was told like, you have a 1% chance of having children. <laughs> I had 30, we're laughing now because I'm pregnant with baby number eight right now. (laughs) So it is kind of funny. Um, But I remember being more bitter and have had a hard time with other people being pregnant um, in that season than than now. Um, But I think, again, the idea of resilience or just choosing in advance to be okay with life is like how, again, if I'm the heroine of my story and my life is on a big screen, I've decided how I would want to respond in that moment. And so it was an invitation to honor her life and honor her and honor you and your journey with your child. Like as the hero of the story, as the one who is the main star in my story, I'm going to be the friend who is happy for you yeah. From a good place. And and saying like, yes, my daughter, when I see your pictures of Mac and I see how old he is, and like I I think like I'm like, I don't even think to myself like she should be here because that's not yeah. true. That was her story. That wasn't going to be her plan ever. And like I don't have to go down that should road. I can say like, here's how it could have been, but that's not what was in store. And like, how okay am I with, again, I showed up and I loved her the way that, that she needed to be loved. And I showed up to love you and your story, the way that you needed to be loved in order so that I could experience that love. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's pretty different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, yeah, I just admired, I mean, not only it's one thing to be, and, and there's no expectation on, you know, someone's vulnerability on social media, but it there, there's no expectation. If you, some, whoever go through something like you don't have, you don't have to, but I did find such a, an awe for you in how you, um, you really navigated that time sharing yeah elements of her life and in a way that was just so yeah it just was so beautiful and i i respect that in you and and good golly you give birth on live instagram <laughs> like, uh i, I like <laughs> yeah that's that's one of my things too is i like to pull i like to pull the curtain back for people to see things um in life that maybe they're curious about. And I'm okay with that. I know I like seeing that in other people. I know when, when I hear of someone losing something, I I always think like, I wish, I wish they would show up here. I wish I could see how they were really doing. I think it's, you know, I, I kind of live from this Truman show. Yeah. Thought. 
Yeah. I like to know, I, I wish that I could watch your life and see who you are in the quiet places. And I think that's been a lot of my motivating factor of why I go live on Instagram when I do is because I'm always curious, like, I wonder how she does this, or I wonder yeah. how she's feeling about this. And so that really propels me to go and hit live yeah. when I do that, because I'm, I'm curious about that. And so I pull the curtain back out of my own sheer desire for, I wish you would pull the curtain back. <laughs> yeah. And, and now I some people are like, I wish you would close the curtain. Like there are some <laughs> things we don't want you to do online. Like well, what are those? What are those? Because I mean, you're, you're towing the line of like, I'm sure some people would say, I mean, cause everyone can have their own opinion. Like, is oh sacred. You should never you should... show people you giving birth. Yeah. I get that yeah. all the time. And I do, but I think that, um, there is, uh, I have the moral compass that I hold is that if it's something shameful, please mm. keep the curtain closed. Uh, birth in is not shameful. Loss yeah. is not shameful. Um, you know, going through hard times in your marriage, that's not shameful. Those are things that happen. And, um, I don't want to normalize those things, but I think giving people an, in just a peek into the the pain that life can be sometimes I'm talking about like shameful is like debauchery. Like, I don't need to see you gyrating like that girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, <laughs> you, you keep that behind the curtain. I think, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Tell on that, But I think my, my moral compass is like, if I wouldn't do that in front of my dad, probably I'm not going to do that online. There you go. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you've been gifted with this, you have this vision and passion for helping moms feel empowered. And what better way to do that than to say, like, I'm going to let you in for the good or the bad of how this goes. And yeah. you're, you're planning on giving birth live again, right? Yeah. I just hired, I actually just hired a midwife. And that was one of the conversations. Like, how do you feel about Instagram live? <laughs> was and, she like uh, all in? Let's do it. Totally all in. Yeah. She's totally all in. And, you know, I think sharing my heart behind that. So last time I went live is it was during a, it was actually before the pandemic hit a lot of women pivoted to home birth yeah. and they were thankful that they got to see, you know, um, what birth could look like if they were choosing to do it from home. But this time I really have a heart for, for, um, homeschooled kids, sex education. Yeah. Like just make, like, I, I, I have an 11 year old. And so like, <laughs> just to pause and make sure I understand the idea that giving birth is letting them into what would happen if they got pregnant. Is that no. what you think? Okay. <laughs> no. If anything, it's like, um, so when I was a, when I was a young teenager, I loved that show on TLC. What was that? The baby story. Okay. Yeah. Like I love that. And I was always as a girl, as a young girl, I was always fascinated about pregnancy and birth and the way that they portrayed it in school was just like kind of gross. Like, I don't know. It was just weird. Like they made it seem kind of weird. I wish that I could have watched, like, I always wanted to know how it worked as a young kid. And I wish that I could have seen somebody do it with uh, grace and peace and like what was possible and how it could be, how birth could be beautiful. So when I say like, it's not like a threat, like if you have sex, this is what it's going to happen, okay. but I'm, I'm doing it more for the one, for the, for the little girl who is mm. like, I want to be a mom and, and I'm going to be pregnant someday. And I want to, I want to see how this could be 
um, a really good and beautiful and euphoric thing that it's not something she has to be afraid to pursue that yeah. it's actually really a beautiful part of her design and how her body works more like a, you were made this way. Here's how your body functions. It's not yeah. like, you know, Hollywood portrays like your water's going to break. It's going to be terrible. It's going to hurt so bad. Your husband's going to be fainting. Like <laughs> that's not really how it goes. It's actually a really beautiful yeah. process. And it's something that I believe every little girl can look forward to. And so when I say I, my goal this time is to give the homeschool curriculum yeah. <laughs> a lesson for sex education. I'm just saying like, in my opinion, birth is the, the final act of making love and it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's so fruitful and so great. And, um, I just want to inspire a lot of girls not to be afraid of it, but to actually have it be something they look forward to. I love that. I, when I was a little girl, I had to be probably seven or eight. My aunt lived in Alaska and they, they mailed us a VHS of her giving birth to one of her kids because back then there was no way you could watch your family. And my mom was staying up late one night to watch it. And um, she like the, all of my siblings had gone to bed and she invited me to sit on the couch. Mom, if you're listening to this, thank you. I <laughs> sat there in our little enclosed um, den rec room and watched this body part expand to what I didn't know was possible. And I was just partly like tight and my like nervous. And then when it like, you know, when the baby came out, I was just like, wow, you know, that is just incredible. And I wonder how much that impacted my view of now, you know, obviously I've had a few experiences giving birth and I, yeah, it's just like, oh, I need to thank, I need to go and thank my aunt for her vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Most women don't witness a birth until they're in it. Yeah. It's kind of like a really it's like the thing people don't talk about. Right. And if you do, it's usually at school through the school education system. And you know that they're, I mean, they're, they're teaching it from a, a biological physiological perspective of like, here's how your body functions, but to actually see, to see a woman do this and be in her element and to see what happens. Like it, again, it, it kind of, subconsciously answers questions that maybe a lot of little girls have, like you were probably having of like back to the whole CBT thing. Like if you're nervous and you're tightening up, your thoughts Absolutely. are probably like, what's happening? Is she safe? This is gross. Like you're having all these thoughts and your body's literally reacting to your emotions. hundred percent. So I think, um, one of the things that I heard from my last birth was I let my, I let my daughter watch this with me and she was captivated. Absolutely. She had questions and it was so cool. Cause it was like, yeah, that's what I'm going for is like, yeah. more <laughs> of that. not like, Oh my God, what is happening? Cause I don't actually, for those of you guys listening to this, um, I don't actually show any of my body parts. <laughs> I'm not actually letting you see the full bloom or anything. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not inviting people to see everything up and close, but I think watching a woman, um, not but we can afraid. see, we can see your emotion. I mean, like yeah. from a, I'll just share from the onlooker, the yeah. phone is positioned to where almost you see Leslie's like, I would say like sternum 
up. And so you're watching her physically process the uh, feelings and the emotions. And yeah. thousands of people watching along, Crazy, scream, right? scream cheering in the comments, like just full cool of love. It was amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. I but, would say this for those of you guys who are listening and you're afraid to step into your gifting on social media because you're afraid of trolls. I just want to tell you that um, I, I cultivate such an intentional platform. I rarely get rude people. Like I, I just, I have created and curated such a crazy, beautiful place and space on the internet that, um, man, I could feel the love in the comments that were rolling in yeah. when the baby was born. Like everybody was just emotional and here for it. And it was, it was so amazing. Um, you really can cultivate a great place online. Um, if you're coming from a great place. Yeah. And what's great is when you have raving fans and you have somebody come in, who's trying to be a troll, they will knock you out so fast. Like get out yeah. of here. You don't even know this. Yeah. Well, they will fight your battles online. <laughs> so, so good. Um, can we talk about, so obviously you're, you're, you're pregnant again. Can we talk about you walking through normal life being triggered and how you, well, I actually have another question that yeah. I feel like goes before then. You said, if I could sit and have coffee with someone whose marriage is struggling. Yeah. Um, I, I've got someone in my head specifically who okay. I am like heavily burdened for. And I just get the sense that things aren't great. And, um, what would you say to someone who has been through infidelity and they're trying to trust, but they're just getting triggered all over the place and they're not sure if their triggering is actually potentially their intuition? Yeah, no, this is, I would say again, the more comfortable you can be with grieving and understanding cycles of grief and like how human beings respond to betrayal. Um, and you like compassion is so, so important. So I would say when I look back on that specific time, um, number one, if your spouse, if you're trying to build trust, but your spouse is doing nothing to mitigate your fear and they're not creating safety and they're not actually at, I would call it like full repentance, like full exposure. Like there are, there are husbands that are not, that are not telling the full truth yet. And when we women know, okay. So my husband, um, when he was caught, uh, he did not tell the full story at first. And I knew it. So I was triggered because I knew there was more and he was withholding. So it wasn't until he was fully transparent about what was going on that the playing field had to be leveled. And how did you know though? How did you know that it was, my cards are all out? Well, we went to, <laughs> went to a really good therapist and he, his first step was a full disclosure of every sexual activity from the time that you can remember for, as a child, including exposure to pornography, every experience sexually was written down. Like we laid bare, we went 
we didn't just talk about the affair. We talked about everything. How many pages? It was like four. Yeah. Read it out loud to me. Yeah. So did you feel like you knew because not only there was this paper, but, and you know, but also did you feel like there was an emotional shift? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, for sure. Because again, there is something, even when you're the one betrayed, there is this level of relief that happens for the, for the woman when everything's out there now, she doesn't have to guess anymore. It's better to be laid bare than to be like, well, you didn't tell me what happened when you were 15 and you didn't tell me, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's more there. And part of intimacy is into me, you see, Mm. and we want to see our spouse for who they really are. So we can confirm what we already know, because we don't operate just by our brains and our heart. We have like an actual, like we can feel when someone's telling the truth or not. Um, in fact, I would, I would, I would say before I found out my husband was being unfaithful, I knew he was being unfaithful and I was just ignoring and shoving away red flags like crazy because I didn't want to know. Yeah. I was afraid. I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to know. And so when it comes to being on the other side of that, there's a couple components of like, you know, there was a, a shift in triggers. Mm-hmm. You know, there, I, there was a season I was going through bank record or not bank records. Well, yeah, I did look at bank records, but um, phone records, old text messages. I was restoring messages through third party tools. I was in the investigative mode. I needed to know everything. And so some of that I was triggering in just learning. You're flipping over puzzle pieces, but then there it 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 changes when he starts doing the work and he starts making it right and trust starts being built, then triggers evolve then you're then you're like oh there's actual trauma here that when so like my husband right now he still doesn't take his iphone in the bathroom mm-hmm. he used to take his iphone in the bathroom and talk to his girl mm-hmm. well, now we don't we don't do that but today like if like let's say he did take his phone in the bathroom i would probably be triggered yeah I handle that trigger different today than I would when I was first in it and we were healing. Yeah. So it like evolves. Right. So I would say if you're in it and you're in the beginning phases, there's so much grace and mercy for you. Just like, there's a lot of spatial disorientation that goes like everything that feels upside down is actually right side up. And everything that feels right side up is upside down. And you're like, I don't know where we're going. Like, my best advice is to sit down. And again, if you can go back to that whole, like, how do you want to look back on this time? And how do you want to be the actress in the story of your life? How do you want to see and be portrayed as the main character of your life? Then anchor on that. Here's how I want to experience this. And here's how I want to be portrayed. And I want to be like, I, again, we act out of our best selves when we see ourselves as our best selves. And so like, that helped me a lot. Like, how do I want to experience this? And how do I want to come out on the other side? And I knew if, if my, if we ended up divorced, I knew I wanted to be like, I wanted to still be like, it wasn't because of me. Mm-hmm. It's not because I didn't try. And it's not because I didn't go all in on my love for my ha- my husband. And it's not because I was vindictive and it wasn't because like, 
there were just some character characters I didn't want to play in that story. And I just decided that it, I, it's going to be hard no matter what, choose your heart. Yeah. So, oh, wow. That, that, yeah, that is like, just also just thank you because you're one of the only people that I hear talk about it. And I know there's a lot of people that go through it. So you just are such a voice for so many people to back. hear. Eight <laughs> out of 10, eight out of 10 marriages. Somebody's, somebody's looking at pornography. That's a dramatic statistic. And that's like, whether you're a Christian or not, like it doesn't matter. So like, we have to, we have to pull it. We have to normalize just the conversation and saying like, Hey, and, and here's the thing. Like my husband's not this sex crazed maniac. He actually has a really hard story and came back, you know, like he had a compartmentalized life and he was coping and, and he was unhealthy and making decisions to destroy his life. Remember how earlier we were talking about, like, I have to hold on to this. Otherwise I'm going to lose it. Or you think like, this right. is it for me. This is as far, like, this is the apex of my success. There's nothing more for me. A man who believes that there's nothing more for me, <clears throat> a woman who doesn't believe there's more for me, they're going to destroy their lives. Yeah. And so like, I can relate to my husband on that level. Like I'm no different than he is. Yeah. And so I think that when you can give people the the space to be a human and also setting up boundaries, like I will tell you, lady, if you're on the other side of the screen and your husband is being absolutely atrocious, I just want you to know, like I left my husband for a few weeks. I had ultimatums in place. Like there, I did not just roll over and be the doormat. Like it was like, if we're doing this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P is going to happen. <laughs> And, uh, some of them were really strong. And like, again, like I had some pretty hard asks and that's okay. Like that's ask for what you need and get comfortable with that. It's awesome. That is, uh, yeah, I, I'm just like, I'm amazed by, by your, you guys' story and, um, and your husband's a completely new person now. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> I haven't called my husband by his first name since 2015. So you changed his, you literally changed his name. <laughs> I do not call him by his first name. Everybody who knows me, they're like, is your husband's name Burris? <laughs> like, Burris, Burris. <laughs> I call my husband by his last name. He literally, he, he is not, I, we look at pictures and laugh all the time because I'm like, you are not even that man. He's not yeah. even that man anymore. And I'll tell you, there is something so beautiful. Like I eat the rewards of my investment in my marriage every single day. I eat the fruit of the goodness of investing in a man who now values himself and he values his, his life. Like this is the essence of transformation. Is it not like I, man, we worked hard for that. And it's just amazing that we get to eat the fruit of that today. And I'm so, that's what I want for everybody. Like, that's why I think I pull the curtain back is like, like who doesn't love to watch HGTV with these houses that are just terrible. You're and then they turn it like Joanna Gaines comes on the scene and she's like, oh, and the angels play. <laughs> and that's how I view life. You know, like I'm, a, I'm not afraid to pull the curtain back because I know, I know what's possible when we, when we look at the trash, trash can turn to treasure with some good hard work and some grit and some resilience. Like I love watching humans transform. And I think that that's why I'm like, I want to invite more people to it. And I think that's probably one of my biggest motivators in letting people see 
miscarriage and adultery and saying like the bottom does not get to define you. It's just a benchmark. Who do you want to be from here forward? Uh, The invitation to evolve and to transform is like, that's the biggest expression of faith on the planet, in my opinion. Do you recommend every couple do a full disclosure statement? Heck yes, we do. <laughs> do my you, husband did and you I also? Yeah, for you sure. You also made one? And- oh, I did. Oh, not in the counselor's office that, not that time, but we have talked Later. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because I think that when you, again, when you're naked, like truly naked in front of somebody and you let them in, you become best friends. Yeah. Like no other. Like are there prompts? Are there prompts to a full disclosure statement? Oh, there might be. My actually maybe my, you'll uh, make some and my counselor, my counselor is he has a online coaching program and they have like monthly meetings and stuff and they walk people through that program. I think COVID actually forced them, they couldn't meet in person, so they went to online. And I know that they're helping way more families today. And and I know they know the prompts. Okay. I, Part of me probably blocked some of that out. <laughs> yeah, that would be, but that would be it's really amazing. I think every marriage again, it's, the, I'll be honest, Leslie, it terrifies me. And I consider yeah. my, Eli and my relationship to be pretty dang good. And yeah. to imagine hearing all of whatever he has ever felt or been exposed to is yeah. terrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, you have to kiss the demon on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> No, you really yeah. do. When I hear yeah. my husband say like that girl, she told me everything that you aren't telling me. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. And you're just sitting there and what do you make that mean? Right. What does that mean about me? And again, I, again, resilience is not, sailors are not, Skillful sailors are not made on calm seas. And I believe like your washing machine, the best washing machines have agitators. And I just think that agitating things gets out the stains and it, and it cleans things in ways that if you don't agitate it, you'll never know, you'll never fully get to feel. And so like, now I'm not saying every marriage should sign up for hardship, but I think every marriage test is good yeah we have a completely different marriage today and i'm we paid thousands of dollars for it it's the best thing we ever did we have converse like i want you to think about this the things that we talk about today taxes money desires things we want to do like they pale in comparison to what we went through seven or eight years ago yeah We're just not afraid to talk about anything anymore because we have had the nastiest of conversations before, you know? Yeah, you you guys. When you fall into the bottom, what's left? You know? Yeah. There's only up from (laughs) there. (laughs) And I get it though. Like, I didn't want to know either. I didn't. It was brutal but at the end of the day like we laugh deeper Mm -hmm. we have better sex than we ever had before I mean come on Uh, what more do you need than that oh (laughs) awesome yeah because you know yeah when you have language 
Yeah. And I didn't even expect to go here on this, but when it comes to sex, like, you know, when they're in it for them and you know, when they're in it, cause they love you. Mm-hmm. We're not stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know and when you're here versa. and I know when and you're here. Yeah. 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 And we already know that we're just afraid to talk about it. I think when you, again, fear is faith in the wrong kingdom. Fear is a deep seated agreement that our marriage is falling apart and we already know it's, it's already not good, but we're, we're just don't want to talk about it, you know? And I get that. I get it. Like there are things that I'm flat out ignoring right now because of fear. And I think just acknowledging that and saying that, saying that out loud helps to disarm the process alone. Like this is Pandora's box and I do not want to open it. And I think when we say like, I don't want to talk about this. I'm really doubt by it. You're already disarming the fear by acknowledging it. That's part of kissing the demon on the lips is saying like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. Tell us what's being birthed for you right now, obviously, in addition to your baby. <laughs> um, you have you have some stuff coming because I peeked on your website. I saw some things. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a new, um, I talked about assignments earlier and I feel like I'm entering a new assignment in my, in my life. And that is to equip and empower other women to also cultivate peace on purpose. Uh, I want to help women know what they feel and figure out what thoughts are behind how they feel. And I want more women to experience life like I do. And so, um, I'm getting ready to launch a podcast. I think I have six episodes ready on the docket to go. Yeah. I'm working on a book and, um, I'm actually working on a couple, um, courses and programs to mentor women at a really reasonable, accessible rate. Um, I'm, I'm nervous and I feel super unqualified, which is hilarious to step into this, but Um, I don't believe in looking for confirmation to do something or move forward. I am constantly looking for courage and just taking courage and taking the next step. And so here I am, I'm going to be releasing a podcast really soon of my own called peace on purpose podcast. And I'll be your first subscriber. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm excited to uh, facilitate weekly conversations in a coffee coffee cafe style, like conversation where I can, you know, um, mentor people the way that I do in my kitchen, but with a lot less noise and distractions, (laughs) not actually in your kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's new for me. I have a lot of reasons why, what's the point, you know, count yourself out. There's no room at the table. People are already doing this. I've had all the mind mess that, you know, keeps everybody sitting down too, but I'm going to go ahead and step into that. And I've got a podcast coming and I'm sending in a, a book proposal and I'm really just excited to see what's next. I'm going to turn 40 this year. So I feel like new decade, new decade, new me. And I'm looking, I'm just really looking forward to helping a lot of women taste resilience for themselves and be the, be the heroine be this, the strong COO of their home. Uh, I have a huge heart for the modern homemaker. I 
I really believe that every, if every man is the CEO of the home, the woman is a powerful COO. And I really want to help women increase their influence in their home to, to make their family legacy impactful for the next 200 years. Like I'm, I'm in it. I'm going deep. I'm going hard. And I believe more than ever women need peace in this season. People need the message of peace because they're all making decisions from a place of panic. We eat panic for breakfast on our phones, on our social media. We're trying to figure out who we are. And I just, I just want to help so many women uh, get anchored and move forward as the heroine of their, of their family. So I love that. Wow. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you taking the time, the valuable time to be here and share your, yeah, your magic here. So you guys go follow Leslie. Um, Leslie, what's your Instagram handle? It is Leslie underscore underscore Burris. Okay. And they can find all of the stuff there. Yeah. They can find all the stuff on Instagram, all my links. You guys can tune in. Uh, if you, uh, hit the notification button over on my profile. You maybe even get to watch my baby be born in July. July. Okay. Mid July. -July. And we don't know if it's a boy or girl. So you'll find out right along with us. (laughs) Yes. And, and for those listening, Lulu was your most recent girl, right? Yes. I haven't had a girl since my stillborn. So if this is, if this baby's a girl you guys are going to see me weep on levels that you have never oh. seen someone weep on live it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy I'm gonna laugh if we have another boy because that's three <laughs> boys back to back but <laughs> either way it's gonna be really fun and I so I so appreciate you having me on here Bethany I have loved being in your sphere of influence for the last seven years and you lit a fire under me a, almost a decade ago. And I just appreciate everything you're doing here to help people uncover their magic and really lean into it. And just thank you for all you do. It's, it's an honor to be here. Oh, pleasure's mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Bethany Shipley show. I hope you feel more inspired. I hope you feel more excited, more clear on what your magic is because you are made of magic. And so all you have to do to make the magic happen is put yourself out there. So get on out there and do your best now, you hear? (laughs) 